0: It's time.
1: Living paranormal.
0: Real stories.
1: Real investigators. No scripts. From legends to hauntings.
0: Good evening, everybody. My name is Rob.
2: And I'm Jason.
0: And welcome to Living Paranormal. Guys, great to be back for another fantastic week of paranormal thoughts, discussions, conversations. You can just say so many things to epitomize what we do on this show. Usually mess up fits in there somewhere.
2: Jason, how was your week, buddy? <laughs> man, my time's been pretty good since we've last had a show, man. it's It's been crazy, full of ups and downs, including my birthday. I managed to survive to the ripe old age of 36 if You can imagine that. That's crazy. You've known me since I was 16. For the record, Rob, that's that should make a, that, That's good. 194 to you and me, by the
0: way, Robin <laughs> and uh, everybody else listening. So <laughs> you gotta got to put that into proper terms. But, yeah, belated happy birthday. Of course, I, oh, I wish you a happy birthday on your birthday. But another yeah, yeah, one yeah, yeah. thrown out there for just, just for special purposes. Well, so
2: it's funny because this past week, though, man, has been crazy. I had the stomach flu and I was just dying. Actually, both Kim and I were. And we were recuperating and laying down in bed with, like, a crack of sunlight coming through the window. And I turn around. And I put my I uh, put my arm around her, but it went under her arm. And she's like, no, be a man and put your arm over my arm, put your arm (laughs) over me. me. It'll make you feel better. It makes me feel better. I was like, "Okay, so put my hand jokingly over her mouth. I was like, oh, this does make me feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Jokingly, jokingly. jokingly, actually, Of course, of course. I never do that in real life. But, you know, but yeah, no, it was good times. Good times. (laughs) Well, yeah. How's your how's how's your past few moments been or days or weeks been?
0: I, yeah, man, not too bad. Just getting ready for the Halloween season. Getting ready for the big event at the Ramsdale coming up at the end of the month, which I'm very excited about. Um, you know, just found out we're going to have uh, local news coverage down there the first day we're there to talk about uh, basically the lesser-known haunted locations here in West Virginia. So I'm going to be talking a little bit about the Ramsdale House, a little bit about uh, there's a, a a local bar down here called the Empty Glass that we investigated a few years back. That's Uh, actually very haunted, which is, uh, another one we're going to be touching on as well as an abandoned amusement park here in the state of West Virginia. So yeah, there were a different kind of spirits in that one, dude, The
2: (laughs) the empty glass, the bar for pessimists. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I like that that's good maybe we should uh maybe I should talk to the owners and recommend that as their new uh, slogan as it were advertising gimmick yeah. That'd be awesome. but absolutely yeah but uh, hey guys if you're listening to us live you're listening to us in one of two places you're either hanging out with us at livingparanormal.com forward slash live which is the weekly home of our lively debate you know when we're here of course in addition to that you might be listening at freedomrocksradio.com freedomrocksradio.com is the home of some of the best music on the internet today And if you're tired of Pandora and these other streaming services kind of telling you what you need to listen to – Come on down to freedomrocksradio.com where a live DJ will be glad to play whatever is running through your head and make sure
2: it's stuck there permanently. Jason, where else can they find us? Well, if you want to listen to the archive copies of our show, then all you have to do is type in Living Paranormal to your favorite podcast aggregator. Whatever that may be. Bg potter Podcast Addict, uh, whatever it is, iTunes. Type in Living Paranormal, hit subscribe. You'll get the episodes that are... Wow, that was supposed to be English. It's been a while of practice. You'll get the latest episodes that have been pushed out to straight to your phone. I can do this. It is not that difficult. Uh, other than that, all you have to do is go to livingparanormal.com, click on past shows, and you'll see all of our past shows there. Want to find a topic that's uh, your favorites, a show you missed? All you have to do is type in the search bar, uh, the topic or the guest of your liking, And the show will pop right up there. in addition to that, of course, you can find us over on Facebook.com slash Living Paranormal Show. Don't forget to put the word show at the end of it there. And uh, you'll be uh, up to date on all the latest happenings of Living Paranormal. We also post there when the chat room is live. Although, I'm not sure if I did that today, so I'm I'm going to do that right now. Uh, In the meantime, Rob, why don't you... (laughs) I don't even think our our latest guest really... uh, really needs it needs she
0: really yeah. doesn't but you know i just wanted to say jason i want to congratulate you on this tremendous run you've had you've been making easy things look difficult since 1980 so you know <laughs> congratulations very well done Thanks. but guys tonight we have the uh the uh, the third cog in the wheel that makes us move the uh, true power behind the scenes and an absolutely just amazing individual here with us tonight please make welcome the reverend robin marie robin welcome back to living paranormal
3: Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Hey, Rob.
0: Oh, honey, you know, you got a permanent home here, dear. You don't even have to just say, I want to come on. We're going to be like, okay.
3: (laughs) Well, you know, I'm always out there flying my broom around, so I don't always have the time. (laughs) But, you know, my heart is always here with the show.
2: Oh, absolutely. You know, we love you. So we appreciate that, definitely. But uh, how have you been?
3: It has been quite some time. How have you been? I'm just a total workaholic at the moment and have a lot of projects going. And, uh, you know, just working as hard as I can to see everything through. No kidding. You know, I have a lot of aspirations and well, you have that a takes you <laughs> have a lot of
2: talents. You're a good example of somebody that says, just do what you're good at. No, You, you can't do that if you're Robin. Then you just never have time for anything because you're doing everything. When you're good at writing, when you're good at speak public speaking, when you're good at, you know, you're also a medium. Yeah. You also play, you play now, music. It's,
3: it's like G- schizophrenic. In a really good
2: way. <laughs> well,
3: Jason, I got
0: to understand. I have to ask a question. What do you know about being good at public speaking? Because I've heard you on this show.
2: <laughs> well, she, the way it works here, I just pretend I'm talking just to the two of you guys. So it works out. It's a this small venue. I, it, tries, it tries to <clears throat> try to pick past it that way. Wow. And you're right, man. I can't talk right now. Tonight's going to be tough for me. Listen to this. But anyway. <laughs> Well, don't worry. The professionals are here to help you. Robin's going to pick up the slack for both
0: of us idiots, so (laughs) it's always a beautiful thing. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we've got a a very interesting show tonight talking a little bit about uh, Halloween. The season is up on us, and I don't know about you guys. Halloween has pretty much become my favorite holiday. It has been for about, I don't know, 30 years now. I, I love Halloween. Uh, I guess a chance for me to dress up like I feel, which is usually creepy.
2: <laughs> so you know, <laughs> yeah, I got
0: to give Jason credit, by the way. And I never give Jason credit. You guys know this, longtime listeners. Oh, he he had one of the best costumes. Uh, at, was it last year that you dressed up like the uh, robbers and you were chasing Ali around with oh, the yeah, yeah. dressed as a bag of money?
1: Yeah,
0: flipping
2: hilarious. Yeah. That was so so beautifully done. Yeah, that's <laughs> what you call great poor. imagination. That's what you call when you're poor and you have to try to make something out. I made Ollie's costume out of a um, an old pillowcase. So I just cut holes in the pillowcase to get legs. I made a bag of money with a piece of rope that I had in the garage and I spray painted a dollar <laughs> sign on them. and I just bought like dollar store dollars and I just stuffed it in there and we made the masks and dressed all in black and chased after them. It actually worked out really well, though. I loved it. But thanks, man. I appreciate the kudos. when I <laughs> And you know, I like to think of October personally as the beginning of the holiday season because, well, my birthday is on the eighth, so there's that national holiday there. And then we, of course, have Halloween coming up. And Halloween, I think is, and I think Robin, you were the one that said it best, as it's 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 Christmas for the paranormal community. You know, oh, it it's, is. <clears throat> it's really that season. And uh, what I love about Halloween is everything we know about. It. I mean, I, when I think of Halloween. As a child, when I was a child, I used to think of it like I get to wear that really cool, cheap mask that's made of that hard, brittle plastic and that vinyl uh, Superman outfit and run around. It's the 80s. It's the 80s. So, yeah, running around with a Superman cape and I can barely see out of the eye holes. But um,
0: Ah, great times, man. Great times. You know, it's amazing. Any of us survived those days with those types of costumes. I mean. And if you were a bigger kid, because I mean, I you know I was a, I was always a, a husky guy, you got relegated to the poncho, and that was you know. <laughs>
2: yeah. No, I feel you. I feel you. Well, it's it's...
0: Like... Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I, I just said it's just like you know you try to be you know, the Incredible Hulk and you look more like
1: the blob. Well,
2: and I, it. It's yeah. funny because you are. When I came back, I remember Halloween coming back home and going, "Hi, mom," because she didn't go with me. You know what I mean? Because I went with a large group of kids and we all just roamed around the neighborhood. With a sense of security, whether it be false or not, (laughs) you know, we had this feeling of being safe walking around the neighborhood and trick-or-treating. And a lot of us know Halloween as a season and a time for trick-or-treating and for costumes and for jack-o'-lanterns and scary, spooky stories. But um, I think uh, today we're going to hear about a little bit how the holiday really started and what it truly is about. Yeah, Uh, Yeah, very, very interesting Yeah. So is Halloween, oh, has that always been its name, Robin? Could you illuminate that for us?
3: Uh, Well, no, not exactly. And we get it through some Christian names that came about, uh, that were handed down from one of the popes. So kind of uh, fascinating how that came about. Interesting.
2: So a pope actually coined the terms that we use for Halloween, is that right? Oh,
3: yes. And And it was a Christian holiday. Um, But we're looking back at the absolute origin of it. Mm -hmm. And this is coming about with the harvest and just this time of year and what truly the celebration was about originally. Mm -hmm. Now, the ancient Celtic festival was known as Samain. And you may know Mm -hmm. that word. Uh, That was celebrating the time between autumn and winter. So it would fall around Halloween time that we know it to be today. Interesting. Um, Bonfires were lit, costumes were worn. It was all in celebration because the harvest had come and it was very fruitful and it was definitely a time to be happy. Everybody had, you know, had food for the winter, it was stored and and it was kind of celebrating before you had to go down for the winter, your hibernation in a way. (laughs) No kidding. Especially (laughs) when you're
2: talking about the Celtic people, that's what up northern Europe. So talk about really going to hibernation around that part of the
3: world. Yeah. So just think where it originated, you know, so they were really going to be hit by a winter, uh, you know, with snow and such and the cold. So about 2000 uh, BC, we had the pagans. And the pagans were just people that practiced uh, natural type roots, uh, you know, living on the land, uh, you know, the weather was very much involved. It was all very.
0: And I think we might have a little bit of a technical issue going on right now. You know what I've always found very interesting, though, Jason? I'm hoping you can hear me too. I hope it's not my yeah, end no, of my day. Okay, great. I've always found it severely interesting that it seems that Halloween historically – oh, she's back. There she is. Okay. Sorry, Robin. We lost you. for yeah, uh, It's okay. But uh, what I was saying on it was is that, you know, I always found it interesting that Halloween seems to have deeper roots in Christianity than Christmas itself does. And I think that that's something that a lot of modern-day people seem to miss out upon, that plain and simple fact Halloween did start as a very religious holiday, um, at least in the Christian world and then later it became as most holidays do combined with other practices and religions to form what we see today the same thing with christmas it started out more of a a, a you know a pagan holiday so okay. Around that
3: time of year, absolutely. right so so it started as i said about 2000 years ago and we started seeing the costumes and everything, and the bonfires. Again, the pagans took it from the Celtic practices, and it, it, it kind of tied over into the same sort of celebration. And again, tying in the harvest, uh, not only celebrating the summer was at its end, but again, preparing for winter. Now, it's 609 AD. We have Pope Boniface the Fourth. And he came in and dedicated the pantheon in Rome in honor in honor of the Christian martyrs and the Catholic feast of all martyrs day. So this was all that had passed away in martyrdom.
2: Okay. And so All-Martyrs' Day, is that actually on the 31st, or when does that feast fall on? You know? Well, they
3: started to tie it in. Actually, it was a celebration, a time to honor uh, those deceased between May 13th to November 1st. Oh, okay. Makes sense. To be asked, as far as, uh, you know, the Christian calendar goes. Then we have Pope Gregory that came in. That was around uh, around 750 A.D., and he expanded it to actually be a, be a festival that was for all saints.
2: Got you. Mm, nice. got you. Since a majority so, of saints have met their, their sainthood or canonization because of martyrdom, I imagine. So you have right. you
3: have these these holidays naturally fitting together. So that makes, right. sense. Now, that makes sense. The reason that the popes came in and started doing this was because, you know, in Rome, in Italy, the uh, Christians had come in and they were starting to, kind of push out the pagan uh, rituals and that that we know of, um, uh, you know, the Celtic beliefs and all of that sort of thing, Um, you know, and they wanted to to bring in more of the the Christian, the religious aspect of it. So there around, you know, 750, we start seeing it turn into more of a religious celebration. And it's more or less to tell them, you know, we're not going to practice the way that you did. We're going to have our own thing. So now, um, yeah, so what what I, what I, what I like to take away, what happened, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. I think what's important to take away from this, especially this, like just the beginning here where we we're starting to put our roots down, our foundation for this is that a lot of, of fundamental Christians today and i'm i'm generalizing and i apologize for that but when you think of a fundamentalist the american christian uh, those that that oppose halloween at least tend to cast an evil light on it say it's like a satanist day or it's a day glorifying you know you know g- truly glorifying paganist beliefs or that they have satanist overtones these kinds of things while they are pagan pagan roots is before the concept of the devil was even a thing
3: it was before people actually
2: even believed in devil so to speak so
3: none of this it was actually the hollywood thing and all of that we'll get to it as we go on where all of that came in from because really it it was said in a very positive celebratory thing came about and and it was a very happy time for everybody and even as we move into christianity making it all saints day it was really to honor those that we love that have passed on
0: absolutely so so more of a day of remembrance than anything else a day yes
3: just as we have memorial day
2: which also is why we have Dia de los muertos on that day as well for
3: for exactly yeah and then Latinos took their spin on it and we see it coming up, you know, in different cultures and different nationalities, uh, you know, they put their own twist and don't forget the tamales. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Pumpkin the tamales. Yeah. And the breads,
2: man. Oh man, the breads are so awesome oh, yeah,
3: that time of year too. Very good time there. And it's nice to
2: go Bye. to the cemetery, okay. by the way, and just sit there and just spend time with family and actually talk and have good memories
3: and remembrances. We're basically doing the same it, thing that you just talked about. Remembering Yes. That honoring them now as we get into the bible and i'm just going to touch on this quickly so it doesn't turn into a a whole religious thing and everybody is certainly entitled to their beliefs i'm just going to say that the reason that we're not supposed to practice any of this is because when you start tying in all of the negativism that goes with it, with all of the uh, issues about the devil and the horror and and all of that, that we're supposed to stay away from. Right. And that's all that is, it's about three times that it's actually mentioned in the Bible, going back to Deuteronomy. Wow. It's back some time ago, before even we got to the New Testament. So we're just not supposed to partake in negative things. And things, you know, that uh, tie in with the devil and all of that, of course.
0: It kind of breaks down to the, to the old saying that you hear growing up, garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you bring into you is what you're going to basically portray exactly. outward.
3: You know, and, and we start looking at, uh, you know, the Hebrew religion, and we're not supposed to speak to the dead. Just remember a medium said that to you. I'm being very neutral here of course but the thing is it can be very draining, we're not supposed to live on the other side, we're supposed to live with the living on this plane and so there's good reasons why there were red flags about that and I see it as a red flag you have to be very careful so uh, now we're moving into um, let me see here 1000 A.D. The church would make it that November 2nd is All Souls Day. Now it's an official holiday within the churches. Now, this is actually my grandfather's birthday. And that was a huge celebration in my family. So it was a big deal. You know, And course- we had certain cakes and there's certain pastries and everything that are made for this day. You know, you, you have to go to church. And again, it's remembering everybody that has passed away. It's really... A, a wonderful celebration. I was going to say, Robin,
2: uh, if your grandfather was born in the 1000 AD,
3: because <laughs> I immediately said <laughs> we're in 1000 AD, so, and this
2: is my grandfather's
0: birthday.
3: Now, family. I might have known him back then in another lifetime.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. always the possibility now, yeah. I
3: was about to say, I know you look
2: great, but wow, you look fantastic for a 1000 years old. <laughs> <laughs>
3: we always had to hear about how it was his birthday. Like, you know, the Pope just picked that day because it was his day. Absolutely. And, you know, it was just a big deal at home. But It, it kind of hits me funny.
0: Um, my, mm-hmm. my dad actually used to joke about that with Martin Luther King Jr. Day because it was his birthday was about the same time. So we heard that every year about how even state employees got the day off because it was dad's birthday. <laughs> <So>.
3: Awesome. <laughs> So here it is, 1000 A.D. Now we come up with the word Halloween. And the reason that is, is November 1st and November 2nd was this, uh, you know, the All Saints Day. And then we have All Souls Day, the day after. So this was November 1st and November 2nd. So that same Dia de los Muertos... Right. And all of that, it's November 2nd, uh, November 1st, right. actually. Now, all hallowmas is the word that actually came through um, through the church. And if you hear hallow, a lot of words stemmed from that to change the title. So this is, hearing the hallow in it, we're getting Halloween. And that's hallowed eve. Oh, okay. Makes and it sense. was the eve before the Christian celebration.
2: right.
3: So this way the pagans and the Celtics and everybody else could celebrate their own little thing, which was partying and costumes and parades. And again, everything was very happy and positive, celebrating the harvest. And the next day, the Christians took it more seriously in celebrating those who had passed away. So as far as tying it in with dead people it actually goes back to the christian church interesting
2: interesting, and it's kind of important to note that a lot of the reasons why the christian church would do things like this and 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 have these holidays close to or around pagan holidays was for appropriation because you want to be able to identify with the local population and identify with their celebrations and show them how they could easily transition into the church by still celebrating on those days keeping those days you know festive and lively
3: well, remember well you that. put that very nicely of course that isn't at all what was meant but that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's trying to be pc here you know, robin trying to be pc change no, was the important thing here change yeah letting go of you know letting go of one concept and one belief system and changing it into you know what the church wanted us to have it as right but it but either way, everybody was good and positive with the intention of this. Right, right. So, quite different from what we see nowadays. Now, hollow, the word hollow
2: itself, I'm, I'm assuming that's a, that's the same hollow that we use in the word for a hollowed ground or holy ground.
3: Yes, it, it does come from holy, okay. absolutely.
2: Making sure. Mm-hmm.
3: See, I got a point you know, we're Looking that. at uh, medieval times and Middle English and it's aloe. A Mase. Oh, wow. And it's coming, we're getting part of Greek that's coming in there. And, you know, there's different variations of how the word had changed. But you can hear Halloween and Hallow Eve in there. So now in medieval Britain, this is where we kind of change it, that we see a lot of the symbols and the things that we as Americans tie in with Hallowe'en is what happened in medieval times. Okay. It was a very difficult time, very challenging. If you were fortunate enough to have farmland and able to have a bountiful crop, then you had a family that was fed. And that extended to family and neighbors, of course, in the little village. So there were quite a few people who were suffering at the time. Much more so than today, even though we all complain about it, but people were really starving. And so beggars used to go door to door asking for food. And at that time, at the end of the harvest, of course, which would wind up again, you know, towards the end of October, they'd be begging because they needed food before winter came.
2: Right.
3: Now, now we get the jack-o'-lantern. Oh. And I've heard a lot of people say negative things about that as well.
2: Yeah, I don't understand why, and I'm assuming you're going to say, I don't know, I don't understand why the name Jack's in there. Like, I don't understand why it's called okay. the
3: jack-o'-lantern. Okay. Yeah. Well, and we I, didn't the so. Jack thing, but, you know, may, maybe the first guy was Jack that did it. Yeah, but yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> but I'll explain. But really, that was meant as a very happy thing, too. And it was kind of emotional to me when I learned this. But they carried a turnip. They hallowed, they hollowed it out. And again, you hear hallowing and hollow and, and all of that Halloween. But they would carve out the turnip and they would put a little candle inside and they held it up like a lantern. And this is so they could see walking through the streets of Britain and they would go and knock door to door. Now, it, the connotation of the candle, it represents a soul. So if you had someone that passed away and you say, you know, my mother just died or this one just died, they would say, we will pray for you. Could you please give me some food and I will pray over this candle so your loved one moves out of purgatory and can can move on to heaven? You know, this has to do with blessings and who's a Christian and who was actually christened and all of that within the church just so people understand you were stuck in purgatory until you had the blessing and until you cleared everything within the church before you could move on.
2: Yeah, very Catholic. A very, very
3: Catholic thing. Yeah, yeah. but they prayed. You know, they prayed for them and I just thought it was a nice gesture and they just wanted some food at the door. You know? They commonly... Gave apples, and we're going to tie that in with something else too, because we get bobbing for apples.
0: See now, hold up though, isn't that the house you hated to go to as a kid, the one that gave the apples and the fresh fruit? (laughs) You're sitting there going, "Man, what a Milky Way!" (laughs) But not not to change chop not to change too far too quick. But I did a little research while we were talking about this about the origin of how the name Jack got into the jack o' lantern. And I found an interesting article on uh, history.com which says that um, it, uh, the uh, practice of naming them jack o originated from an Irish myth about a man named Stingy Jack. According Uh. to the story, Stingy Jack invited the devil to drink with him. True to his name, Stingy Jack didn't want to pay for his drink, so he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin so that Jack could buy the drinks. And, of course, he screwed the devil over, for lack of a better term, and ended up being cast off into the night because he – it's a very interesting read. I would recommend anybody that's interested to check it out. But it did come from an actual – an Irish legend. So we have another another nation of uh, kind of adding to the uh, Mm
3: -hmm. beautiful
0: mythos of the Halloween season
3: that's wonderful. And, and it's very interesting to hear different legends and things. So, but I, I'm coming to Britain. So, so we're down, down another Island here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. And I'm sorry if I got off topic on that, but I did. Yeah, no, never that's give.
3: Me a, interesting never give I, I didn't really know where Jack came <clears throat> in, but you know, they usually names things like that. That's with the first person that, you know, And it was kind of a common name. And I was thinking Jack the Ripper ties in pretty well with Halloween. (laughs) Yeah, I was hoping it kind of came from that. Yeah, no kidding. You know
2: know, what's funny is, um, Rob, just to answer your question or your statement— in regards to you saying that you hated going to the uh, house that gave out apples, I hated going to the house that gave out uh, those small travel-sized toothbrushes and uh, toothpaste. Oh God, yeah, what? that's the one I hated. Yeah, I would actually go in the neighborhood and somebody invariably would hand out either those little travel-sized dental floss, or I never heard toothpaste. Of it. I'm like, where's oh, the travel no, sized it... candy bar? Where is it?
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, if you're giving out, if you're giving out dental type devices. You need to at least pony up with a full size Snickers. I mean, that yeah, should said, be was
3: a rule. Father. <laughs> I, I, <wanna> say father. <laughs>
2: again?
3: Say again, Robin? I said Willy Wonka's father. Yeah, no. Kidding, yeah, well, that's right? kind of what it's. That's yeah. I mean, that's, uh,
0: the de- Dennis known as Wonka. That, that good tie-in. Good tie-in. But I, I can't believe you ha- you haven't run into that because that is something that happened every single year to me growing up. Is I'd be going through my candy and stuff, and they'd hide it when they put it in the bag, so you didn't know what you well, were getting.
2: There's a reason, Rob. The reason why that didn't happen to me is because of the difference in age between you and me. And I'm not making this an age thing or saying you're old or anything, but because I was a child of the '80s, that was at the time when people were totally terrified of razor blades and apples, and so that's why people I stopped using them.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So,
2: And depending on where you're at as well. So where we were at, people were totally terrified. Of I
3: the threw those things away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway,
2: sorry, Robin. We totally just derailed you there. I apologize. A <laughs> <laughs> matter in which we roll. But anyway,
0: go I ahead. blame Jason. I oh, fully yeah. blame Jason. It's my fault, even though
2: Rob's the interrupter or her, her personer. Or- yeah,
0: that's a word. At least Go mine ahead. was related. I wasn't talking about dental hygiene, for Christ's sake. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, Robin, uh, but you were saying so. The jack o' lantern. We we talked about the origins of the jack o' lantern. That's really interesting. Yeah, it and was turnips.
3: Realize. Yeah, you know it was turnips uh, it's turnips carved out, and I mean it just sounds so cute. You know, going through a little British village with the little turnip in your hand with a candle. It's it's just really sweet. All of these yeah. are really nice. Meaningful and positive stories, you know. Absolutely. Um, now, 1800s, of course, everybody came over to North America, and we started changing things. And we had to take from what we had available. weren't too many turnips. We had pumpkins. They also found out the pumpkins were a lot softer for squash, and were able to uh, shell it out a lot easier. And so they did the same thing, taking the pumpkin with the little candle, and they would walk through the streets holding that. So this again, you know, this is what we have now Man, as our pumpkin. Could you imagine
2: trying to hold a pumpkin as you're walking? I'm, I'm assuming the small pumpkins. Small could you imagine pumpkin. carrying a big 20-pound pumpkin <laughs> <laughs> on the
3: street? That's on your head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No kidding. But anyway. <laughs> so in the, now, 1800s. the costume thing. Mm -hmm. You know, again, they were having parades, were dressing in costumes and everything to celebrate. But that kind of got twisted around a little bit again. And the whole thing going back to you don't speak to spirits. They decided that it was the night when you could communicate with the dead. Someone threw that in there. Interesting. So it came from a time to avoid the spirits to it's actually a time that we could possibly communicate. Now, the, uh, how we got the scary masks and the whole scare tactic and everything started to come in. This is just around the 1900s. Okay. Okay. Uh, late 1800s, we started seeing it. The reason was that they were to dress up scary. So if a spirit an evil spirit, of course, was there, they would assume that you were one of them and they would leave you alone. So it was kind of to mimic what we thought was horror. So
0: it's more of a camouflage type of scenario. If you look like what's hunting you, then you will be okay.
3: Right. So people dress like the devil and dress like, you know, everything that was frightening because that's how they saw spirit as being frightening. And it, and it would just shoo them away to the other side. You know, that's fascinating. So that, you, know, you know what's yeah. amazing
0: to me? If, if we actually did that today based off of the modern-day fears, we'd see a lot more people dressed up like clowns and politicians out on the streets and at night.
2: politicians,
3: exactly. Yeah. Yes. No yeah. kidding,
2: right? <laughs> no kidding. Donald
0: every Trump every third. Yeah, Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton costumes <laughs> left and right. I mean, you could just see it happening. Totally. Just see it
2: happening.
3: I was oh, say- the horror.
2: I was oh. going to say that's fascinating that you talk about the costumes and people dressing up that way as the evil spirits shooing them away. It actually has a there's a very ancient tie-in that that goes with this as well. In ancient Mesopotamia, what they would do is it would actually have uh, demons or statues of demons carved and placed within their homes and higher level demons, so to speak. So say something like, uh, or it doesn't necessarily demons, but but very dominant spirits, whether they be of an evil disposition, quote unquote evil or beneficial uh, uh, dispositions. But in order to shoo Away evil spirits, they could have say like Pazuzu, for instance, in The Exorcist, where you see in the very beginning of the original Exorcist, you'll see the uh, excavation of Pazuzu. That's actually mm-hmm. a real excavation that was going on, and the reason why that statue was there is because it was very popular around that time period in Mesopotamia. They would actually have spirits uh, or statuettes of Pazuzu, who was a very considered to be a very high and powerful spirit, in order to shoo yeah. away the evil spirit. So there's precedence Throughout all of human history, <laughs> of doing something similar to that. So it's kind of amazing mm-hmm. that we kept that all the way up through to this time period, like you were saying, the yeah. late 1800s and early 1900s. Yeah, and
3: just think of gargoyles. Totally, yeah. yeah. Faces and shapes and everything. It's kind of the same thing is to deflect them. Interesting, interesting. So, mm. oh, never mind.
2: I was going to make a very bad
3: so, joke. Go ahead. The thing in trick or treat. Now it comes down to that. The food went away, except the apples. <laughs> and they started giving sweet treats. It was a lot cheaper, a lot easier, and, and people started giving that. And again, kind of in a celebratory way. Still the door-to-door thing stuck with us all of these uh, centuries. Uh, you know, it, it's basically the same thing. You know, and and uh, the pumpkin idea. You know, just having candy in place of food, begging at the door. All of it just is still there, from the original. And you know, it's it's funny to me how much of this
0: actually parlayed forward as time went on, because so often holidays lose a lot of their their roots and their origins. But in Halloween, we're seeing this actually took an evolutionary process. Mm -hmm. From its very, very beginnings, it held on to the essential core, but it just was manipulated to a modern day type of. When I, mean, I say modern day, looking at the 1900s, but you get where I'm going with this. Yeah. It, th- throughout the years, it just became more and more along the lines of what was popular for the modern times.
2: Yeah, I hate it when they ruin good holidays for me. Like Black Friday, that was used to be my favorite, one of my favorite holidays. It's <laughs> totally been ruined.
3: <laughs> Cyber Monday now.
2: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Cyber yeah. Monday. But anyway, go ahead, go ahead, Robin. I apologize. And
3: I'm that. wearing a costume. <laughs> oh, really? For Black Friday? No, I'm just kidding. And Cyber Monday costume, really? yes.
2: You're wearing a Cyber Monday costume? I got to see yeah. what those costumes are. I hope you'll post them on Facebook. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, you know, so much for the history. Okay, and we can see how we got the word, the name, and all of that. I mean, there's so many different stories and, and different legends that came from this, but that's pretty the nitty gritty. But I now, thought maybe we would bring up some superstitions.
0: Well, first, before we do that, because we did have a question in the chat room, so I wanted to go ahead and bring it forth, because this does mix in with the historical reverence of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Eric Blakely, who friends of the show long know is our good buddy and gaming friend Drippy the Clown. Ironically, Drippy, stay out of the streets at night. You're not going to be safe. But uh, he wanted to know, when did the trick get mixed into it as far as the trick or treat? The trick of it, well, you
3: know... Probably in downtown Manhattan at some point, I would think. (laughs) (laughs) And we are theorizing at this point. No
2: kidding, right? No, actually, um, what would happen in Scotland and Ireland, young people started uh, – taking on that guising tradition that we have we're talking about the the costumes and dressing up in costumes and doing various things and accepting all of those those uh, offerings from the households that robin was talking about asking for for the foods and things of that nature but what they would do is rather than than pledging to pray for the dead they would either sing a song or recite a poem tell a joke or perform some other sort of trick before collecting the treat which, you know, the treats usually what fruits, nuts and coins are on that time period when this originally yeah. started. So the trick actually used to be given from the the person going door to door. This that's the trick I'm going to give you or you can give me a treat either way. So that's where the trick came came from. It actually originated mm-hmm. in Scotland and Ireland for entertainment. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Kind of like (laughs) a way to pay an homage to the dead, but but totally differently. Just offering this little thing, uh, this token of of ability or token of of my time, uh, rather than than the treat for the person that was uh, going door to door. (laughs) So that's just the answer.
0: And of course... Then in the Old West, we revolutionized it and made it a little newer. We would just shoot at your feet and make people dance for our entertainment. So. Yeah,
2: no kidding. You know, it's funny you say that, though, because during the Great Depression, uh, the, it became a real big problem, the tricks. Uh, in the 1930s, uh, trick-or-treating actually started to vandal- started leading to vandalism
3: uh, yeah. during the Great Depression yeah. era.
2: So uh, it, it, right up until World War II when it stopped, uh, the outbreak of World War II, because, you know, you can't trick-or-treat when there war rationing. So that ended everything. That was kind of a reset, a hard reset, and it was hard enough to stop the rampant tricking, so to speak. So that's why. uh, That's where that also, You great tie in there, Rob. But anyway, sorry about that. Just jumped into it. So you're right. (laughs) That's all good. I am totally interested, though, in some of the superstitions surrounding Halloween, though, Robin. So what do you have for us as far as the superstitions are concerned?
3: Yeah. Well, you know, one of my favorites is the black cat. Oh, yes, totally.
2: Oh,
0: yeah, that's seen constantly during this season. And actually, I've seen a lot of people urging other people to make sure you keep any black cats inside because sometimes people take out their aggression due to them being so associated with the holiday. So how did the black cat tie into this, Robin?
3: So, well, really, you're supposed to avoid having the cat cross your path. And that all stemmed from the Middle Ages because they believed at the time— That witches could turn themselves into cats, and that was in order to hide and to avoid people. So they thought, in other words, it was a witch that was crossing in front of you.
0: Now, do we know uh, where this this belief came from? Because most of these beliefs do have some type of an origin. Do was this? uh...
3: Well, the witches were being burned in the Middle Ages. Right. You see, until the 1500s.
2: Because witches were believed to have familiars. And so the black cat would be the witch's familiar, so to speak, during this time period when you have the, the, the witch craze or the witch hunt going on. So. Yeah,
3: but they could actually turn themselves into it. Right, right. And no. Well,
2: they could turn themselves into their familiar, which is why they kept them nearby. They had such a strong bond with them, they're able to turn into that. So you don't want that. And then also, quite often, mm-hmm. people would associate black cats with, with uh, people's luck. Uh, I've heard one story, forgive me, Robin, if I may, but I heard one story about a black cats where uh, some people were saying that black cats are actually lucky, but that's someone else's luck. And if it crosses your path, someone else's luck has crossed your path as well. And so <laughs> it's kind of overridden yours, which is another story I heard somewhere else. Because you know how these things have sometimes <laughs> hundreds of different stories. So, but that's really interesting with the familiar things. So that you have to avoid the black cat because it could be a witch yeah. in disguise. Well, like, yeah.
3: Interesting. A lot of these things stemmed out of medieval times.
0: I'm just kind of, you know, my whole thought about this, and I know that uh, that witchcraft um, is often associated to um, Halloween. Do, do you know what the tie-in is for that as well? I mean, I know that, um, you know, That's witches. going
3: back to paganism.
0: Going back to the pagan side. Okay, I got right. you. Very good. Very interesting, too. mm mm-hmm. So what is the next, um, I guess you call, legend that we're going to touch on with Halloween?
3: So now we have ladders. Don't walk under a ladder. That's got and to be
0: the most practical one I've ever heard.
3: It is practical, of course. There is a danger to walking under a, a leaning ladder. But the whole idea of the ladder having rungs up both sides, walking under it that way. That it actually comes from medieval times, and that's because it symbolized the gallows.
0: Ooh. Actually, that does yeah. kind of visually fit the mold, yeah.
3: And you didn't want to walk onto the gallows at the time because they actually said that a dead body could fall on you.
0: So they- You talk about something that's going to require a lifetime of therapy.
3: No kidding! It, really, that's a tough one. <laughs> oh,
0: no kidding. How about you, Jason? You gonna walk under any ladders coming up here soon, or?
2: <laughs> no, man. I'm. I'm pretty. I still pretty clear of ladders. Uh, you know, it's funny because most ladders that I see are usually the bar where they meet each other is that perfect eye crushing height. So no, I'm not really gonna walk under any ladders. I can't imagine there's any ladders that you're around, Rob, that you can walk under being over six feet tall either. So. I don't know. Not as bad yeah, here that's... in this day and age. Unless you have those straight ladders against the building, then no. I don't walk under because there's some <laughs> guy up there with a hammer or a drill. They could drop that on my or a bucket head. of paint. Yeah. yeah exactly. it, something's
0: now, coming even down.
3: Still, I mean the gallows and all that, that just seemed very practical. And of course yeah, the totally. danger itself in walking underneath somebody up on a ladder. But it ties in with the Egyptians, believe it or not. Really? And this was kind of interesting. Because if you open a ladder, and again the two-sided the Egyptians believed in the triangle being sacred, and it forms a triangle. Right, right. And you were never to, to permeate that. You were never to walk under any structure that was triangular. Wow. So I thought that was kind of interesting.
0: Now was that was that believed to be a, a curse to the person that did it, or a jinx, or an unlucky step for the for the person that, no, that it, broke the triangle?
3: don't know it, it was a religious thing that's sacred and and you just don't go against that you, you, it wasn't for you to go near it or through it
0: <clears throat> well, that's interesting I would, never knew that before
3: mm-hmm. that is interesting yeah the the, the Egyptian tie-in that's wild. Now, you know the, there's my version and that's of course I remember walking under a ladder as a child. And my grandmother practically fainted, and she screamed, you know, don't do that, you don't walk under a ladder. And I said, well, don't worry, because I can fix that. And so I proceeded to walk back through under the ladder, (laughs) and I said, I can't do the bad luck, because if you just go back under. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding, right? Now, the proof to this, that it is unlucky, it was unlucky for me, because I still got a spanking. (laughs) Because I went against her and she said, I already told you, don't walk onto the ladder. And here you went and did it again. So,
2: (laughs) (laughs) no kidding, right? That is wild. That is Mm -hmm. absolutely wild. That's the uh, the the latter thing. It's funny how these superstitions tend to coalesce around Halloween. Anything that sounds dangerous, even though as you said earlier, the Halloween has such happy origins. In a lot of cases, we still associate some of these dangerous superstitions around it. That's really neat, uh, Rob. Uh, I'm sorry, Robin. Uh, before you move on to your next superstitious thing, Rob was about to bring up something from the. Uh, the, uh, what do you call it, from the chat room, pardon me. Uh, he mentioned that uh, Patricia said that there was a scene in Meet Me in St. Louis in which uh, they threw, they had a bonfire uh, in the yeah. middle of the street and they were throwing things into the bonfire. There were supposed to be, I guess, effigies or significant of that. Uh, and I don't remember that scene in the movie. That's that's crazy. That's-
3: no, I, I remember yeah, that's, Judy that's,
2: Garland. That's pretty hardcore. I need to watch that, that Judy Garland movie. That sounds pretty hardcore. Mm-hmm. I need to rewatch
0: Something else real fast, too, going back, and sorry I missed this, but Lee pointed this out to me through chat because she's actually listening behind me on the phone app, but um, most humane societies actually do not allow – Right. Uh, the uh, any black cats to be euthanized during um, October brought in because of the, the stigma. So sorry to top that back so far. That's what I get for not having enough screens open on my monitor. So forgive me for that.
2: Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, that and uh, in our, at least locally here, you can't adopt a black cat around this time of year. Either. Right.
3: They, they won't sell them at that time. Yeah.
2: I mean I think that's a practical reason. A lot of people are saying it's because Satanists will sacrifice them. Eh, not so much. It's because everybody wants a black cat around Halloween.
3: Well, they do. Well, they there's
2: that. But I think so. one of the other practical reasons is that people also, they're like, oh, I want a black cat. It's so cool around Halloween. Then they're like, oh, I got to feed this
3: thing. I got to change its litter box. Yeah. And but then the, but it. quite often they are sacrificed. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, unfortunately. That's wild. That is wild and
2: unfortunate to do that to animals.
3: But I know.
2: Um, yeah, empathy just, Patricia uh, Morales Vasquez just chimed in as well as the adoption of black cats. And so, yeah, totally. Can't it's do the so- adoption. Yeah. But anyway, sorry, Robin. We just once again went off on a railing. Or is it a
3: cat? Say again? Or is it a cat?
2: Oh, I know. Could be a witch.
3: Mm. You never know. (laughs) No, you
0: can't tell us day and time. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, what else do we want to look at as far as the uh, superstitions of Halloween? Oh, the
3: best one. Trixodecophobia. Ah, trixodecophobia. You know what that is?
2: The fear of the number 13. Yes. Yes, I knew that one.
3: Yeah, yeah I Can I can I
0: take can I take a stab at this because I is this not loosely based at least over the fact that there was
2: thirteen at the Last Supper? I'm gonna say no, Robin. What do you? I think it's it's more the Knights Templar. That
3: thing, came much later, but yeah, those again tying in the church and everything later on. Right. Those came, but it actually goes back to uh, you know the Egyptian time. Chinese, Italian, we see a lot of it in different cultures through through Europe and, and Asia, and that's because 13 was actually a good luck thing. Again, it started out very good and positive, but, you know, difference in religions and things will just say that that's not a good thing to do. So, you know. 13, even still to Italian, we actually get the number 13 in gold charms, and we wear them around our neck and everything that's a big thing uh and that's because the, the first off there's 12 months of the year and the 13th represents celebration so yeah that's true that's a big thing. um going back to egyptian they actually had 12 stages in life so and the 13th one is enlightenment huh. so that's heaven that's nirvana it's reaching all of your goals, your hopes and dreams and, and your life path and all of all of those wonderful, good, positive things.
2: That's awesome. That's good. So <laughs> 13 being good and positive in ancient times and, and yeah. now it's suddenly been,
3: I guess, demonized. And, yes. And just because, you know, religion went against one, you know, belief system and, and wanted to change it, we'll just say that thirteen's no good. And so people started to feel that there was something negative that went along with it. And, of course, that does, uh, you know, tie in with Da Vinci's portrait and everything, like Rob was saying. And, again, you know, the church kind of instilled fear in us. You know, Judas uh, was, uh, you know, how he was portrayed in it and the 13 people in the picture. And, you know, there's a lot of things that, that you
2: know put a twist on it from there yeah i remember one being that the knights templar on friday the 13th were uh were ordered to be executed by the pope as satanists and that they were it was a mass execution of of uh, of the knights Templar. Right. it's either the, the pope or king philip of france I forget which one right. but they ordered the arrest and the execution of all knights templar based on satanist charges so and from that day forward it's always been considered a day of evil portent but yeah yes. uh, another thing is that people were saying that it represents it corresponds to 13 um uh number of lunar cycles in a year or menstrual cycles for women because it's it, yeah it uh yeah embodied femininity as well an embodiment of femininity which is yes it's 13 yeah
3: twenty-eight. Very so. good point
2: yeah mm-hmm. interesting <clears throat> sorry, Robin. Go ahead. I to, once again, just jumping in. And the
3: once again, here. when we look at the cultures, the Egyptians, you know, Italians, and they, we honor women, you know, and just the opposite of what you just said, you know, the reason why we see it as negative now. Right, absolutely. So, yeah, so uh, Katriaphobia That's the fear of Friday the 13th.
0: I'm afraid of that word.
3: <laughs> I, I uh, you know, I kind of shorten it down and I say do phobia. <laughs> oh. I like that.
0: <laughs> it's close enough. I like that.
3: It's the fear of
0: what?
3: <laughs> the fear of Friday
2: the 13th. Fear of Friday the 13th. I got to take a crack at this word real quick. Hold on. I, I just, I have to. Oh, it? oh it's Frigga So Frigga being the Norse Fingico. goddess. Yeah, Frigga It's Frigga. Yeah, yeah. I said it before. Frigga, Triska, <laughs>
0: My God, I think we finally found something Jason's
2: actually good at. <laughs>
3: <Same> <laughs> <Adam> <laughs>
1: <Peters>. <laughs>
2: anyway, sorry. But yeah, that's interesting. So fear of Friday the 13th.
3: OK. Yeah. And a lot of people are again, you know, once you start feeding this to people that something is negative and bad things are going to happen, they sure enough do. True. Well,
0: you know that a lot of that comes with your own mindset, though you can actually make bad things happen if you believe they're hard enough that bad things are going to happen., That's so what I think I'm the, the biggest yeah. key to it is just not to let yourself feed into that fear and not let yourself feed into that into that path for lack of a better term,
2: right you know it's actually interesting I was doing a quick search real quick because I was curious I was trying to look up frigotrisco uh and, and and try to you know see if I could say it there was another one that's uh pariskevi, pariskevi de- there was another one that's Perskevi decatriphobia dek- dek- or periskevi decatriophobia is the Greek mm-hmm. version of it but um, there was also a theory that the Vikings may have been impacted by the fear of the number 13 because Loki was considered to be the 13th god. Mm -hmm. Which is crazy. And Loki, of course, brings about Ragnarok or the end of times or the end of the world. So that's that's really interesting. And a spoiler for Marvel fans out there. Sorry. But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) spoilers. But anyway, sorry about that.
0: Yeah, we now we have to put a warning spoilers for Marvel fans tag on the show. Good job, Jason. (laughs) Sorry. Because Ragnarok is supposed to come out later. It's either later this year or early next year, one of the two. Oh,
2: is it really? I had no idea. I
0: had no idea. Yeah, it's, I was, actually saw that on the upcoming film, so I'm a big oh, fan so. of Marvel movies. So that's going to be the third in the Thor trilogy.
2: I wonder if Fenrir's going to come out. Anyway, sorry, moving on, moving on. Sorry about that, Rob. Shiny <laughs> you have Shiny moment. here on the uh, on the uh, whole superstition thing?
3: Yeah, spilling salt.
2: Mmm, salt, interesting. So how does the salt work?
3: And Now, Rob's going to like this because it goes right back to the Da Vinci painting of The Last Supper where he shows Judas spilling the salt on the table. Very true. Yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah. that's
0: right. And
3: really, that stems from back in the day when, you know, salt was a very rare commodity. And so, you know, you used it sparingly and, and countries were lucky, fortunate to have that brought to them. Absolutely. So, right. you know. Uh, that All was right. a big
2: thing. Yeah, I mean, salt is a very valuable commodity back then. You salt meat, you help keep it from spoiling, preservation, you flavor foods with it. Uh, yeah. It's a vital nutrient for, for people. People would actually use it as currency, as a form of trade. And, in fact, that's where we get our, our phrase, a man is worth his salt or someone worth <laughs> their salt. So, yeah, mm-hmm. makes right. sense. Very cool. Or salt of the earth, too. Good salt of the earth. Yeah. Well,
0: without, without that salt, I mean, people would not have had the ability to survive through the harsher winters. I mean, even look into uh, fishing industries like the herring industry, for example. They would salt and hang the fish so it would actually cure. So, yeah, absolutely makes perfect sense.
2: Yeesh. I've never had salted fish. You ever had salted fish, Rob? It's gross. I, I just imagine oh, yeah. it's gross. That's bacalao. Do you like that, Robin? Can you eat that? Yes. Yeah, I grew up on it. Sure. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You're a better person than I you have a, a stronger <laughs> stomach than I. I couldn't do it. Could not do it.
3: What else Well, do it lasts through the winters when it's prepared that way. <laughs> I wouldn't last through the winter because I'm dying of starvation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know,
0: what you prefer and what you must do to survive are two totally different things, Jason.
2: Touche, <laughs> touche.
0: <touché. laughs> anyway, Robin, what do you have left in your bag of goodies for us as far as we the...
3: We have uh... the broken mirror.
0: Okay, now I'm convinced somewhere in my past... I'm certain that I broke at least 13, 14 mirrors because of the streak of luck I've had throughout my life.
2: Just by mm-hmm. looking at them.
3: That was the truth. Accidentally, huh? <laughs> <laughs>
2: hey,
0: just for the record, my webcam's not the one that keeps going out, Jason. It's yours. <laughs> okay, just for the record, let it S- be known. Let so it much be known. Okay. So, anyway, go ahead. I, I'm so sure. So, what what is the origin of this, Robin? Where does it's the, going the origin
3: go Back to, uh, to divination. Which was kind of interesting, the ancient Greeks. And let's see if I can say this catoptromancy. And that is taking a bowl full of water and scrying through it, just like crystal. Huh. And that's, you can look in the ocean and see a reflection. You can look in a pool and see a reflection. And in this case, they filled a bowl full of water. And you, the subject, would look into the bowl, show your reflection. And so whoever the reader was, was looking at, at your reflection and tell you your future from that. Now, the traditional oh, I've never heard of that type of divination. It, this makes sense to me. Well, no, we, we can do it through mirrors. There's, uh, you know, mirror scrying and all of that that we still have. Yeah. It's usually a black mirror. Yeah, it's usually a black mirror. So from this, from looking at your reflection, if it was distorted and if the water moved and you, and your face, your reflection was distorted, that was supposed to mean that bad luck was coming your way. Wow. So it's changing that reflection. That's the whole purpose of this. So if you took a mirror, which, in fact, I... I looked at the history of mirrors, which was kind of interesting, goes back to Italians at the 15th century when they started painting a coat of silver in the back of the glass. Right. And so that's how we have mirror now. And so it was so expensive at the time that only the wealthiest people had it. And so the servants were all warned that they were never to break a piece of mirror. And if they were, they would to become indentured servants for up to seven years. I feel so Notice sick. I said seven with the broken mirror. Remember, we have seven oh, years yes. of bad luck.
0: That's a perfect, that makes absolutely perfect sense. See?
2: Wow, that's interesting.
3: And I just <clears throat> had this
2: look of stupidity come over my face because I just realized that's how you make a mirror. It's a. oh my back. God. Oh, you didn't know? <laughs> really? Well, you know, Ugh. I think, okay, I, I understood polished surface, a mirror-like surface, and the ancient bronze mirrors, say, like, use in ancient Egypt, but I never really thought about that. I've never really, okay. I, first off,
3: I hate mirrors. It's never the front, it's the back of a mirror oh, that, makes that sense. you're seeing.
2: I
0: feel yeah. dumb Yeah,
3: I feel <laughs> stupid. Go <laughs> with that, that feeling,
0: all, Jason. With that all
3: came from Venice.
2: Interesting.
0: See, and, that's, cool. and that's, that's a wonderful invention out of the heart of Italy. I mean, that is something just... Oh, we made everything. Oh, yeah. I'm
3: surprised yeah. they don't yeah. like Mary. Well, guys. <clears throat> Go ahead,
2: Robin. I'm sorry. <laughs> they,
0: they, they like me better than they like you. But just to, to not to completely and totally interrupt, not to completely throw everybody off, but we have officially hit our halfway mark of the show tonight. So I just want to do a quick uh, point out to everybody. If you're listening to us live, you're at one of two locations. You're hanging out with us at livingparanormal.com forward slash live. That's the home of our weekly fun fest where we talk about topics in the paranormal as well as the real world. I mean, it seems like we've crossed a hundred and hundreds of boundaries as we do this show. In addition to that, you may be listening to us at freedomrocksradio.com. Freedomrocksradio.com is home of some of the best music of today. Every genre is represented there. And guys, you want to talk about some fun, having a live DJ say your name on the air when you you ask for or dedicate that song just gives it a little special meaning. So check out freedomrocksradio.com. Jason, where else can
2: they find us? can you imagine that live people actually doing things instead of computers it's amazing how that kind of thing happened that little it's touch, a though, throwback
0: it, it, it throwback really to the 1970s to it. 1980s it's amazing
2: and no it, it, I like it I'm not saying that to be be uh, sarcastic I really like that little no, it's uh, a little touch that I am too To it, totally it uh, is it's so nice to actually have somebody
0: actually work with you and to you know acknowledge that you're the one that requested the song or you're the one that said this or said that and that's one of the things that I love about the those types of stations so
2: yeah totally now if you're interested Interested and you want to send us an email, want to send us any type of correspondence, anything at all, you can email us, of course, over at contact at livingparanormal.com. You can also go to livingparanormal.com and click on About Us. And uh, scroll to the very bottom of that. There's a form you can fill out. Just clickety-clack, hit enter. We'll get that message right here at Living Paranormal. Uh, if you want us to read something on the air, please give us permission or deny us permission to use your name. Let us know if we can or not, uh, and we will do so. Now, if you want to catch past uh, episodes or archived episodes of the show, you can, of course, do that by looking for Living Paranormal on your favorite podcast aggregator, uh, whether it be iTunes, g or whatever you want to use. By all means, go on out there and use it. We're totally pl- platform agnostic here including the uh, wonderful blogtalkradio.com blog talk radio is where we got our start Uh, we love our blogtalkradio.com listeners we appreciate each and every one of you and we still publish to that site if a show has been put out it will also be put out on blogtalkradio.com don't you worry all you subscribers on blogtalkradio.com you're not missing anything Uh, if you want to find out more information on living paranormal go to our facebook page or at facebook.com slash living paranormal show don't forget to put the word show at the end of that uh, and you'll be letting out we'll let you know when the chat room's open when the show's coming out what the show topic is or will be uh, and stay tuned there of course and uh, all things living paranormal can be found at livingparanormal.com once again and now we go back to the wonderful show currently in session with Reverend Robin Marie. Always welcome back and a welcome to guest. We, she's not even a guest, she's a host of Living. Yeah, she's Barbie. family, dude. Yeah, she It's beyond world. that. Yeah. Robin is
0: family, she's no question. The, I'm no question.
2: the third wheel. She's the second host. So we certainly appreciate, <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate having you on, Robin. A rose between two thorns. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Robin. I appreciate it. You know, that. I, I honestly.
0: But you know something, with her being the rose between us two thorns, I cannot
2: find any argument against it. I'm just going to sit here and go, okay. (laughs) You know? (laughs) <laughs> but uh robin has been uh, talking about the history of halloween and also some really interesting superstitions some of the superstitions that not just go with halloween but also that uh have fallen through time and can follow us still to this day uh frigatriska you have uh walking under ladders breaking mirrors seven years bad luck with the slaves well i believe that may have been the last superstition though is that the last one that you're going to be bringing out today robin
3: I, I had a couple more. Oh, awesome! Yeah, please go ahead and yeah. tell us some more. I was I was hoping you, in. you know it's it's fine. You want me sing and dance? I'll do that. I I don't know.
2: Right after these <laughs> next ones, go ahead and just tell us all of the all of the uh, superstitions that you have. Though I'm interested in more because I love this kind of topic. I love superstitions. They're really awesome.
3: Yeah. So go me. Ahead. You know, and it developed the fear around some of these really good, positive things. Yeah, no kidding. It, and a number, just a random number. Because I don't
2: even know. Uh, it's crazy how in buildings there is no 13th floor in a lot of buildings. That's
3: really I know. I mean, think of how it's developed now. You know, 13 left out of everything. Yeah.
0: And by the way, before before we move forward, there there is a question that was asked, and somehow Jason, you and I both dropped the ball on this one, so we'll equally oh no. take responsibility for this. But going back to salt and spilling the salt, being unlucky.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, e- Eric actually wanted to know uh, when did they add in the part about throwing all the salt over your shoulder to nullify the bad luck? Is that a do we know the origins of that as well?
3: You, I didn't put that down, but. I mean, maybe somebody can look that up quickly. Actually, I, do I know think know I can
2: organs. do that. I do know the origins of that. So...
0: What's the... or Wait, hold uh, up. up. The organs of it? Or are we uh, talking spleen or kidney? Both. So it's kidney. Okay. <laughs> and
3: and kidney. Uh, the it. actually yes. has a
2: spleen because I'm convinced that that thing <laughs> is useless with the exception of rupturing and killing you, just like the appendix. Anyway, so <laughs> the the thing about the throwing the salt over your left shoulder is because it's thought to be to bring bad luck to spill salt, as we established earlier. Now, evil mm-hmm. spirits, as opposed to good spirits, are thought to sit to your left, on your left side. The left is, is usually relegated yeah. to evil things or bad things. So if you throw salt over your left shoulder, you're thought of... You're you're, you're thought to be offering that to the evil spirits as kind of like a uh, a bribe to leave you alone. It's like just leave me alone, here's some sense. salt. So that's the idea mm-hmm. of it. You're willing to give them something so precious as the salt that you've just spilled for them to leave you alone and to, to to kind of ward away that evil luck you would have otherwise received. So that's the reason why we throw it over our left shoulder after you spill salt.
3: And as we look into Middle Eastern cultures and religions, everything on the left is bad. So everything needs to go to the right interesting
2: so, interesting yeah that might be actually where the original thought behind the evil spirits beyond the left hand came from in the first place yeah you know, usually the Middle Eastern cultures have that effect on us now fascinating so what's the next item on your list there Robin
3: don't open an umbrella in the house what is up with that I, I still don't I do like it. that I, well you know I I feel really funny when that, that happens because yeah, you, you know so. it's Implanted in our head all of our lives, and I just want to be careful, so we just don't do that. But again, looking at the practicality of it, you know, opening something in a house, you know, what could happen? Now, I look back to the 18th century in England, and that's when they, you know, had the great big black umbrella, like you see in, uh, you know, some of the British movies and everything. They developed it at that time. Because of the fog and the rain and everything that's there most of the time. And so, those giant umbrellas, they knew when they brought them into the house how dangerous they were to leave them open or to open it inside. It would hit somebody or break something. So, you know, that was kind of born out of practicality. Right. But looking back at the Egyptians again, gonna blame everything on them, see? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> This was interesting, I, and I can understand why this would make sense. But to the Egyptians, the umbrella of what we know is like a parasol was created. And this was held over the noble, um, you know, uh, royalty and such that, that was walking under the sun. And it was to shade them from the sun Makes sense. and also to honor them. But on the outside of the umbrella, on the top of it, it was elaborately decorated. And they said quite often it was covered in peacock feathers and jewels and everything. Very, very beautiful. And that's because the top of the umbrella was showing up to, with the sun god so he could see the beautiful tops of the umbrellas honoring him. So... The reason why you don't open it in the house, they said that it was, you know, or in the palace in this case, it was disrespecting the sun god. Because it was meant for oh, him.
2: Right. That makes sense. That does make sense. Yeah. You don't want to disrespect the sun god.
3: No. He only open it outside for his benefit.
2: Right. So he could look down
0: on it. So. And you know it's amazing how many of our common beliefs today actually had, still have their roots in our beliefs in these gods or the different mythos that were available in different parts of the world. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me how much of of our history still carries over into our present, even though we've glossed it over. Into it's not necessarily disrespecting raw, but it's bad luck at this point. Yes. So yes. yeah, I, I just love love little tidbits like that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Absolutely awesome. I am
3: just picturing it, you know, all beautiful peacock feathers and yeah, everything. That would be awesome. And Eric in the chat room actually said Amun Ra,
2: and he's right, of course. It's Ra and Amun Ra, but Amun Ra is actually yeah. a later inter- iteration of Ra. Originally, it was Ra or Re uh, in ancient yeah. Egypt. Amun mm-hmm. was added after the New Kingdom, which is about the 16th century BC, when the sun god Amun rose to prominence, and it uh, was mm-hmm. later fused with Ra to form Amun Ra. So either way, we each one. It works. That's <laughs> hilarious. And George asked, "Did Rob just say tidbit? I think he did. I think he just said tidbit.
0: That's hilarious. what is wrong with tidbit? I'm sorry. What is it's wrong with that? Tidbits in a long time.
2: I haven't heard that. I'm old. Either. Yeah,
0: I'm old. He's he's remember,
2: also, <laughs> he's also knitting a sweater and sitting in a rocking chair. Anyway, go, <laughs> go
0: ahead, <laughs> Robin. Well, see, well see now you've spoiled Robin's Christmas present. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, there the
3: sweater. Well, with the pointiest has- on it.
2: <laughs> Don't forget the neck hole this time, Rob. Anyway, go ahead, Robin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh God!
2: <laughs> Why do I do this every
0: week? <laughs> All right, where are we headed to next, Robin?
3: Knock on wood.
0: Command. Command? Oh, sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great months, think alike. Hey, see what in... All right. So, what is? Okay. And, and I think I, I actually do think I know this one. But please go ahead, Robin. Uh, could you tell us the uh, origins of knock on wood?
3: Okay. Again, going back to the 15th century, the Spanish Inquisition. The Jews came up with this one. Really? So that's okay. what I have historically. Oh, we might be having technical difficulties.
0: Yeah, it looks like it looks like we had a little bit of a freeze. But you know, anytime someone mentions the Spanish Inquisition, I go back to that Monty Python skit. They, yeah.
3: They, no, now don't don't go there. Now be good. Now, <laughs>
0: they, <laughs> yeah, but we finally got you back. Yeah.
3: <laughs> And it's as simple as this, knock three times. Uh Uh-huh. And that's because they had to have a code to get into the synagogue so they could hide. And so the whole fear that came out of that is when something bad's happening, you knock three times because you're going to be saved. Oh, wow. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's fascinating.
2: So that's how it rose up through Jewish or Judaic culture.
3: Yes, they had to go to the wooden and knock on the wood on the structure three times. I'm giving away the code now, guys. Yeah, you know, no, this,
0: kidding. The- no kidding. No <laughs> kidding. We reveal, we reveal it all. We reveal it all. Now, let me ask you this too, because one of the theories that I heard about it, and once again, just as with the first time, I'm completely and totally wrong, but um, one of the theories that I had heard on the origins of this is also went back to the worship of the gods that lived within the trees, and that you would actually knock on the wood of the trees.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, we can look back in pagan times as well, and and the Celts still honor that 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 there's beings in the tree so the green man and all
2: of that it goes to show that a lot of these beliefs come from various sources not simply one so absolutely but i hadn't heard about i appreciate you bringing up a really vague i've never heard of that robin that's really crazy that's awesome Uh, and i have to say that when you brought up the spanish inquisition i didn't expect the spanish inquisition Anyway, go ahead. What's. The, oh, uh, oh <laughs> no. he,
3: he went there. He went there. Sorry. I had to do the Monty Python thing. <laughs> go ahead, Robin. <laughs> the, next thing you got for us. the last one I have is the horseshoe.
0: OK. Yeah. and horseshoe? Yeah. Na- nailing a horseshoe to your wall for good luck. And yeah. I've, yeah. I, I, yeah. I actually have heard of that.
3: No, so what is been. the origin? I was wondering if Jason did. Because he, he looked a little baffled.
0: The horseshoe. Uh, you
2: know, that's Jason's natural look. Believe yeah, it or
3: not, really because he's is.
2: normally baffled.
0: That's so what I normally
3: look
2: like I was. I was actually thinking. Um, I, I was enlightened at that point. So I'm saddened that my that my baffled look is exactly like my enlightened look. Thank you. But uh, oh. <laughs>
3: oh, go ahead. So, so, so to this one for Jason. What's Okay, that? a lot of our Irish or, or Celtic cultured households have a horseshoe that hangs up over their front door. And you need to always turn it upward, like U-shape.
0: Right, so the luck okay? does not pour so, out.
3: Right, so maybe you've seen that around. Right. And the reason being, going back to uh, a man named Dunstan, it was in nine, 900 AD, and the man came into uh, Dunstan's blacksmith shop, and he asked him to put a horseshoe on his foot. And when Dunstan looked down, the man actually had hooves. And Dunstan realized that the man was the devil. Wow. And that goes back
2: to 900 AD? Yes. Interesting.
3: So Dunstan agreed to put the horseshoe on him. And he had the horseshoe hanging up. He took it down off of his wall, put it on the devil's hooves or his feet. And he had him screaming and suffering in pain. But he requested it, and he did what he wanted him to. Meanwhile, Dunstan chained him up, chained him to, uh, you know, a pole in the uh, shop. And he let him suffer, and he said, I'm not going to let you off the chain until you make a promise that any house that has a horseshoe hanging up you will never enter.
2: Oh, that's interesting. Okay?
3: And so now the Celts have adopted that. And so every house pretty much, and anybody else can do it too, but you hang up the horseshoe so it's U-shape up over the doorway. I know what now, I'm going
0: out to buy Monday. You,
3: well, here you go. You have a few beers at a nice Irish pub. And the best way to tick everybody up, off is to go and find that horseshoe and tip it upside down. And I have seen it done.
0: <laughs> wow! And w- yeah, and it's been. Spent-
3: go ahead, Rob. Go ahead,
0: Jason. No, go oh, ahead. no, no, you I go was, ahead. I
3: was completely baffled. Go ahead. Uh, I was- yeah. <laughs> no. So, so by it, it, 959 A.D., Dunstan uh-huh. was—he became the Archbishop of Canterbury. Wow! Wow! Talk so, and then <laughs> yeah, he was we'll canonized. Begin. He was made a saint, and now it's Saint Dunstan. Oh wow!
2: That's interesting. So you have the origin of a saint and the origin of the, of the, of, you know, the horseshoe mythos. That's interesting.
3: That's is, simple as
2: yeah. That's fascinating. I did not know that. That's really cool. That is really, really cool. You know, it's funny that you bring up that story. The reason I was like taken aback immediately when he's talked about some, the uh, blacksmith not seeing or noticing that the, uh, the gentleman had hooves for feet. There's a story, and George is actually uh, in the chat room is actually in the studio, and I looked out uh, to him immediately as soon as you said that, because there's a local story here in San Antonio, Texas, where I live, uh, that talks about a gentleman that was um, in a local bar, and the bar was called the Camaroncito, which is the little shrimp. And uh, it, right? It's a little shrimp, George? Yeah, okay, good. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, he was dancing in the... Everybody was uh, having a good time at this dance hall. And then this gentleman walks in extremely well-dressed, charming, talking to all the ladies. The guys just wanted to be him. The ladies wanted to be with him. And he was having a good time dancing around. Well, all of a sudden, while he's dancing on the dance floor, you hear a woman scream. They look down and see it. look at his feet. And there's his feet have hooves. They're hooves for feet instead of being feet themselves. And what's interesting about this story is that it actually appeared in the 70s the day after in the newspaper, the local express news newspaper, as a news story. So oh, really? Yeah, there's prominence for it, a provenance for it. And the actual bar, the Campanacito, was actually recently shut down, I'd say within the last 10 or 12 years. So it was an establishment that actually stayed around for a while but there's a, a modern day version of that tale that she just totally reminded me of with the exception of the Eden asked for new shoes. He had his dancing shoes on that night already. So pretty interesting. Pretty neat. I like my, might've might been the same horseshoes. You never yeah, know. You never know. Actually, Yeah. No <laughs> kidding. Right. I mean, if a saint put a horseshoes on the devil, you figured they'd stay. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Really neat. Oh, Robin, that's awesome. Thank you for that. That's yeah, a cool. lot of fun. Really, really cool. Now, uh, rob I, I was wondering we had started out the story this this evening started out this evening talking about halloween and i, I love that holiday and forgive me robin before I, I i talk about this did you have any other tidbits for us or anything else that you wanted to discuss on this oh. Particular? Oh, excellent uh the reason no. i ask is because um the halloween is such a great topic and it's such a great a great time of year as we said in the beginning and rob i know had had Talked over this with me about the show, and he had wanted, he had a really great idea. What is your favorite, Robin, if I may ask, what is your favorite Halloween memory growing up up to, to recent times, even? If you even as an adult, from childhood to adulthood, do you have a favorite Halloween moment or memory that you like to think about? Because I love Halloween myself. And if you want time to think about it, that's fine. I, I have one uh, that I can. I've share.
0: got I've gotten one too that's it's mm-hmm. a few years back. So, if you need a few minutes, Robin, I'll, we will be happy to regale with our stories first. Go ahead, so. Robin. What,
3: what's your story, okay. Rob? Let's well, give Robin? A... I, we had so many wonderful celebrations. You know, my my grandmother always made uh, homemade donuts. And we used to hang them up and, and we would eat them. Even in the kitchen, she would string them up. And we would be biting them off the string. That was a lot that's, of fun. We did bobbing oh, wow. for apples and... Uh, you know, just a really, really fun time. We always, you know, I grew up just a couple of miles away from Salem, Massachusetts. So it's just outside of Boston. And, you know, we would go there and it, it was the whole idea of, you know, the costumes and and the parades and everything that go on. And It was really exciting to have those people honored as exceptionally good readers and that I grew up to be accepted into that circle. I'm not saying among witches per se, but to be honorable readers. And so it was quite an asset. So to be able to be in Salem and celebrate with all of people of that caliber, it was quite an honor for me. And something I I still really cherish. That's wonderful. That's awesome. I especially
2: love the donuts. I'm all about anything that involves donuts, I'm down. I am quite.
3: You know, and and those smells, I mean, it just makes me think of the fall. It was really hard when I went to California for the rest of my life. (laughs) You know, (laughs) three quarters of it. And, you know, there wasn't the smell of the apples and the cinnamon and, you know, crisp leaves. It was just a little bit different. You know, so I did miss the fall, and coming back east, you know, it's been nice to revisit that again. Yeah,
2: wow. That is nice.
0: That is nice. It's such a warm feeling.
2: Yeah, What what do you have for us, Rob?
0: You know, I remember a few years back, I guess it was about 15 years ago, um, I was handing out candy. And and most most of the people that have listened to this show probably figured it out. But Jason, you and Robin both know me very well. No, I'm, I'm quite the jokester, quite the prankster. And uh, me, me and a good buddy of mine, um, I guess, was, like I said, about 15, 16 years ago, he was dressed up in this big dark cloak, had nothing to be able to see him but glowing eyes. And I'm setting up on the porch. We had a nice little long walkway that came up to it. And this one little kid came up. And his dad was standing like two houses down watching him go door to door to trick or treat. And he looked over at my buddy, Tim, and um, he was just petrified, just scared to death because here's this big, ominous looking creature walking around the yard. We had the smoke machine going. So there was a fog rolling over the grass. You couldn't see ground. And I finally looked at the kid and I said, come on up. He's not going to hurt you as long as you stay on the sidewalk, you're safe. So this kid starts walking up and verbally walks past him going, oh, God, oh, God. Oh, God. Turns and looks at me and goes, trick or treat.
1: Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs)
0: It was so funny. So I gave him a little extra candy. He turned around, took two steps. My friend Tim just lurched. He didn't even really move much. That kid took off like he was shot out of a cannon. I looked down at his dad. His dad's literally on his knees laughing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this kid ran a block and a half before he stopped to turn oh. around to make sure he wouldn't be chased. But, and he wasn't a little kid. I mean, he was like 12 years old. You know, this was, you know, somebody That's shouldn't have awesome. been that terrified, but him going trick or treat. Oh God. Oh God. It's going to stick with me forever. It was so funny. How about,
2: how about you, Jason? That's awesome. You yeah, know, I have a couple. One of them is, is uh, well, I don't know if I should share it. It's not exactly a funny, a, a nice story, but I have one. Two events that are one event and then one series of things that's kind of burning my memory. One event that I I feel obliged to share when it talks about Halloween is that I grew up on a rough side of town. And when we were doing Halloween, our Halloween, we go around with all the kids. The kids would group together. And like I said earlier, we go out in our costumes. And I was dressed as death. I had this really cool skull mask. And we went all out this year. I had a movable jaw that I could move with my mouth. And it was really neat. And um we had gone out trick-or-treating and we we're walking around doing our thing, and I had done the trick-or-treat at the door. And as I walk past this house, um, I hear a scream from inside. Figuring it's Halloween, you know, people are doing special sound effects at this point, playing things on their radio, whatever, or or a tape or something like that, cassette tape. Cassette tape were these things that you could play music on, kids, if you're listening now. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> It's like a CD, but analog. Anyway, so we, uh, I, I continued walking, trick-or-treating. Well, as I'm going down the street, this group of about four or five kids run up on my group, and they surround me. And they're like, we're going to beat you up. And I was like 10 years—no, I couldn't be 10. I must have been eight years old, because I think this was the last year I was at this Pacific home. And I was eight years old, and these kids are surrounding me, and they're like, "We're going to beat you up." And I'm like, "Why?" They said, "Because you scared my mother so bad, she's crying." And you scared, oh, you scared wow. my mother, and I'm like, "Why did I scare your mom? Oh. What happened?" She thought that you were really deaf, and I'm like,
3: "Well,
2: oh. I'm in a Halloween costume. I mean, I'm not trying to scare anybody. Well, I guess I am, but I mean, I'm not. I didn't try to scare her. I was like, I'm sorry." If you want to beat me up, but you know that's that's terrible. In the end, I guess they listened to reason because I don't remember the beating, or the beating was so thorough I blacked out. <laughs> I don't remember. That <laughs> but, yeah. That would don't... explain your pronunciation
0: problems at times. <laughs> yeah, just no kidding. Right, throwing it out there. But, but yeah, know, it was severe so, head trauma.
2: It's so crazy how some people, no matter the age, you know, there's always going to be that moment where people's nerves are on edge, and and I love, and this actually forays into my my good memories because people's, uh, of all ages, your nerves are on edge on Halloween sometimes, especially when you get into it and allow yourself to be taken over by it. And my one of my favorite partners in crime, my mother and I, would always, uh, on Halloween, would uh, dress up her, her, her front yard. And my dad made this huge life-size coffin out of cardboard. Spray painted it and everything. And we had this grave scene in the yard. And um, we got, I would dress up in a really ugly co- costume or mask or what have you, something scary. And my mom would be sitting down on the front porch next to the coffin, the the coffins next to the pathway, walking up to the house, and she would hand out candy. And when she said, okay, I would jump out and go, rah, and scare whoever it is that's on the pathway. And we love targeting teenagers that were trick-or-treating way past their age. And often or not, the teenagers would drop their candy and just run, just like dash run. They would get so triggered rather than scared, they would just run off, and it was hilarious. We never did little kids, of course, little kids right, never did right that too. But yeah, it was totally great. Um, one time, we accidentally, accidentally did jump out at a little kid, and all of the, the adults around, not all adults, but the teenagers around him ran, and he just stood there and went hi, just totally not. <laughs> <scared of laughs> <me whatsoever. laughs> and I was like, you know, it kind of yeah. reminds me.
0: Not, not to interrupt or go to another one, but what I normally do this time, you know, now that uh, current house, I'll wear a, a Hannibal Lecter mask. If you guys remember Silence of the Lambs from yeah, a few totally. years back and I'm covered in blood and everything. And I'll actually be chained to the fence with a dog collar and those little punk, and I call them punk teenagers because once again, I don't scare the little kids. This is for them to go out and yeah. have fun. And a lot of them actually come up and ask if they can have their picture taken with me, which is really cool. But uh, when these teenagers start acting, you know, like Billy Bad Badbutt and they want to come up and talk trash, when they start to walk away, I'll unclip the collar because it's just a clip on. And I'll take off running after him down the street. I literally had a kid about 14 years old, took off running. Not only did he drop his candy, he ran out of his shoe, oh. jumped over. No. It's better. He jumped over the culvert, you know, where the water runs down beside the uh, streets when it rains, mm-hmm. jumped a fence and climbed halfway up a tree before I stopped running because I was laughing too hard to keep up. <laughs> <laughs> this kid's like 14. But that same year, two days later, I was at a local mini mart up here and there was a woman working there. So that'll tell you about her age. She was, you know, probably 19 years old, 18, 17, 18 through there. And I heard her talking about this really scary guy in a mask that was chained up and broke loose and scared her half to death. And I looked, she was telling one of her coworkers about it. And I said, you went by that house? And she said, oh, my God, yeah, that guy scared me to death. I said, thanks. That's the greatest praise I've ever had. And she said, that was you? I said, yes. Yeah. She said, I want you to know that you've given me nightmares two straight nights. <laughs> 19 years old. And, that's yes, crazy. Patricia, uh, it, uh, a dog collar. It's uh, on a long chain. It's a little cloth clip on things. So, yeah, it was um, that. That's a great memory. I'll tell you my favorite memory. And no,
2: Patricia, just to tell real quick, Rob, no, Patricia, that's not a Halloween prop. He has that year round. Go ahead, Rob. What were we going to say?
0: Well, yeah, I do. (laughs) I, I, I keep it hooked up in case Jason decides to visit. So we've got a place to keep him safe. Yeah. Good stuff. But, um, you know, I used to love it when I would get back from trick or treating and me and dad, God rest his soul would, um, sit in the middle of the living room floor together and go through my candy and I'd share it with him, of course. And, um, you know, that was just one of the, the, the warm and loving moments that I remember from those years yeah. was, um, just getting that time with dad. Cause that was kind of like me and him time. And, it, and we did that with football when we got older, of course, but when I was a little kid, that was just like, you know, mom kind of would disappear in the other room and just let me and dad peg out on candy. You know, and uh, Rob, good th- stuff.
2: That, that I love that. I love those memories like that. But, you know, I have to say that my mother would do the inspection of my candies. And for whatever reason, the chocolates would always have like dangerous drugs in them and she'd have to take them away to her room. And dispose of them. It was so weird. <laughs> and I was like,
0: you realize, you realize you, your mom listens to this show. You yes. realize you're probably going to get beat now, right? And,
2: and I know now that you took my candy. You owe me about five years worth of chocolate. <laughs> 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 and I just look forward to those days because I can do this to my own son now and uh, make sure he has healthy snacks, of course. And I, uh, anyway, Thank and a toothbrush. So <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. No more cupcakes. Oh, Rob, just to let you know, you want to feel old. You said Silence of the Lambs was a film released a few years ago. That was 25 years ago. Uh, thank you, Jason. Thank <laughs> you so much. 25 years. That mm. movie is really, there are people listening to this show that weren't even alive then.
3: Now, that scared me. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Silence right. of the Lambs are
0: being we that far back. I
3: started at the drive-in, and I refused to go inside the house when we got home. Really? Yeah, that was that was yeah. some movie. Horrified. That was a great movie. Hey, you
0: know, go ahead, that, Here's another. I'm sorry. Here's another really, really good question for this time of year because we're talking about the things. Robin, what is your favorite? Let's say that on those rare, rare cases that you actually would have an evening off in October. I know that doesn't happen, but if you could, and you wanted to watch one movie that to you would be a great Halloween movie, what movie would you watch? Hmm. That's another a tough good
3: question. question. There's quite a few. Quite a few. I really feel, judging among all of them, probably The Shining is the best. You like that one?
2: That's a great
3: Yeah. yeah. I, love, I
2: like Cyclops. Yeah, no, I love that movie. I agree. You know what's funny? I heard that, um, that uh, Stephen King hated that movie, the original making of it. I heard yeah. he hated the direction it took. Yeah. I loved it. I absolutely love that movie. I'm with you, Robin. That's a great movie. You know, Spirits of Flame 1 and 2, they're also really good things to watch around this time of year. Spirits of Fire. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, you also want to watch... Um, I love The Exorcist. That that movie. The
0: Exorcist is a great film.
2: That movie shook me to my core for decades.
3: <laughs> like, that movie is so wow. horrific to me. I, I, Silent Hill is also one of my favorites.
0: I love Silent Hill. Yeah. Well, if it were me, and this one's probably going to strike you guys as kind of odd because you would depict me being the big blood and gore type guy that I am. I'd pick one of those. But every year, I love to sit back and watch The Nightmare Before Christmas. I think that yes. is one of yes. my favorite movies to watch this time of year. Mm-hmm. Because it's just so well done. Now, Eric Blakely just admitted Care Bears the movie was his.
3: So uh, <laughs> now,
0: now that's internationally known. Um, and uh, Patricia, of course, says Poltergeist. Yes, now, I don't
3: know.
0: what I'm going to ask you, Patricia, if you would type it up, are you talking about the original Poltergeist or the remake or do you like both? Because I'd love to hear your answer to that. But um, yeah, if I, yeah, with me, though, my, if I was going to pick a scary movie, I'm a Freddy Krueger guy. I love watching the Elm Street series around this time of year. I, I like always it. liked, it. I always loved those movies.
2: The original one. I no. loved the yeah. original one. I thought it was really cool. I you know, know the, them, but the yeah. was here's cool the
0: thing if you take the remake that they did and totally forget what Robert England did, it's actually not a bad movie. But when you compare it to the originals, it's so pale compared to the originals. It really is.
2: Yeah. And uh, Patricia agrees it, with you. And that, the original Poltergeist is the best one as well. She absolutely said the original. No, I haven't even seen the remake of Poltergeist, but um, I agree I, I, I go ahead, Robin. What are you saying? I said I wouldn't. Yeah, I I, I just I, I don't I don't know. I, I think so there's some there's some IPs, intellectual properties that just do not need to be remade, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Like the Exorcist being one of them. You're never gonna recapture that moment of terror on film as the way it was originally. There's something about the quality of that movie. Like, I don't know if you remember, they actually re-released the movie with the director's cut about, what, eight years ago now? Oh, five, oh, seven. Yeah, about eight years ago now. They released a director's cut, and they actually showed it on Halloween in the movie theaters. And, um... I had seen the original so many times. I was able to pick up each moment they added into the movie, and I think it actually hurt the movie a little bit. Like I didn't like the remake that they did when they added in a few more. Like they added in the spider walk where Linda Blair walks on her uh, or does a crab walk up the stairs, but they call it a spider walk in the movie, where she goes mm-hmm. up the stairs that way. I I thought that was creepy, but um, I think it. Was, I think they were right to leave that out of the original one. So I think the originals are just best left untouched. And I thought it was great. Especially something like The
0: Poltergeist because that's such an iconic film. And I don't use that term very often with movies, but it is an iconic level film that has such deep meaning and it's just such a deep horror in it. Because if you believe like most religious people do, this is something that could actually happen, a possession. And, you know, being in this field, I've seen it. So,
2: yeah. You know, I, 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 I want to say something and I don't want this to be controversial, so I'm not really going to touch on the remake, but I want to express my love and adoration for the original Ghostbusters movie. And the reason I love that original Ghostbusters movie so much, and I'm not going to comment at all on the new one. I haven't even seen it, so I have no place to, I have no place for me to comment on it. But um, I, I love the original because it was shot. With a horror movie aesthetic, they took a comedy and they shot it like a horror movie. Like if you remember the bookstore, there's creepy music playing in the background as they're going up, and it's legitimately a little unsettling, especially when you're a kid watching this. But uh, it's and it's the camera angles, the film, the sensibility that they use about that particular shot. It's a horror movie. It's shot like a 1980s-style horror movie, and I love that aspect, and they took it seriously, too. Dan Aykroyd's father was actually a famous medium uh, when he was uh, alive and with us. He was a practicing medium, very famous, and uh, he believed in the paranormal. D- so does Dan Aykroyd. He believes in paranormal. Yes, Heroin. very much. Harold Ramis did not believe in the paranormal, but he appreciated the attention to detail that Dan Uncroy brought to the film, and they used words like EMF, you know, they used words, the, the real kind of terminology that at the time was being used in the industry, and I love that they took, it was, it, was one, it was the movie that made me want to be a paranormal investigator, or at the time a parapsychologist you know the mm-hmm. idea of that although I can't claim to be a parapsychologist but I, I, I love the idea of being a paranormal investigator it's great it's a fantastic thing because of that so I, I just love that I love that and I appreciate that Rob what movie do you think has also been uh, uh, instrumental in sh- portraying the paranormal investigator in a positive light what do you think and Rob you're muted or I can't hear you right now if oh. you are speaking so I'll actually take this over to Rob and Rob I, I can hear you
3: just oh for- no not me <laughs> do you, no, but do you think of? Can you think of a movie where you? Th- no, I I have to say Poltergeist was very inspiring that way, because they did show equipment. Probably one of the earliest movies that did that. You know, and right. and how a parapsychologist comes in and works with a team and how they can get shaken up. I mean, they're doing research and they're kind of feeling things out through an investigation. And I thought it was portrayed very well that way. And for what I see as a medium, I, I thought it was very, very well done, it's more realistic for, for what I see. Right,
2: right. And of course, we have to... F- we have to give some leeway to the whole 80s aesthetic and sensibility because there is a little bit of schlockiness involved with all of these movies not just of course poltergeist but ghostbusters schlocky totally that's for entertainment you know it's it's totally an entertainment product but yeah that's really interesting to hear from a medium how mediums are are positively portrayed
3: oh i i just love seeing them come down this spiral staircase that they had and, you know, as they were entering the room and they were saying they could feel it going through them. And this is very much what I experience when I'm out with you guys.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, it's it's funny how uh, how that works and you, you can see something portrayed positively on film. And especially during this time frame, because Robin, correct me if I'm wrong, during the 80s, early 80s, late 70s, all we essentially had to work on were like... Uh, in search of. We had sh- films or shows like that, or we had, like, um, uh,
1: what do you They
3: for once, but you probably weren't allowed to stay up that late at the time. Yeah,
2: no kidding. What, <laughs> they, well, let me know. What did they have?
3: They were on, you know, 10, 11 o'clock, One Step Beyond, okay. of course. Um, oh, what were some of them? Gary something or other. He was a blonde guy. Oh, I watched that for a long time. That was on... But it was on, like, 10, 11 o'clock, too, very late. I love the, uh, and per- personally,
2: be- uh, personally, because I was not able to watch TV or listen to the Radio Tales 13, truly watch TV. I could watch yeah. the original movie with my mother but, or parents, but... Oh, no, we one. lived with TV. Yeah, I, I couldn't do that. What I thrived on were mm. books. And so, mm. the Warrens... No, I, too. But, the Warrens, yeah. original books that I read as a child were really instrumental in, in what I really love today. So, yeah. um, but the, the Warrens were really were really uh, important to me growing up as far as my inspiration for the paranormal. I think those things hold up pretty well. Uh, yeah. and, and you bring up Poltergeist, which is something that's been uh, classically brought up. Uh, Amityville Horror, that movie as well. Uh, that was, of course, based on the case study Certainly. done. No,
3: by... I, I lived right there, so we kind of see things a little bit differently.
2: Well, that's the thing that I was going you to know, touch on, and I don't know if maybe if we want to even touch on it, but I was wondering, what's your take on the Amityville horror? Because it is a horror movie. What is your take on it, being somebody that's close to it or local to it? Well, what do you think?
3: I I have some inside information, so it's uh, it's very sketchy. Okay. Oh, okay, so you're not able it's to... Respectful to, you know, the people involved and certainly to... To Christopher, that's grown up now, you know, and how he has struggled in his life dealing with those things. So, I certainly respect all parties that were involved. So, um, yeah, we we I don't think we'll go there. It's funny.
2: <laughs> I, I, no, I understand, and I understand you have a closeness and you work closely with a lot of them, especially being from that part of the world. But I, I was kind of startled. I've heard on a few occasions, and honestly, even on this show. Where the Warrens may have made a few miscalculations in some of their dealings with things, Um, I'm gonna put it that way, Uh, and and I I will provide them leeway not because that they were childhood fans of or childhood uh, role models for me, but because you're talking about people that were pioneering something in the paranormal. They were really trying to bring it more to the forefront and uh, really trying to see if uh, make this popular and bring it to the mass media. So there's some missteps that may and, have
3: been. Taking. I think that people really get focused on them because they did have a hit with Amityville, but there right. were plenty of more people that were involved. Right. So yeah. and doing and studying at a college level, and it was getting into psychology, which is, you know, now a degree for parapsychology. It's a division of psychology. Right,
2: right. Which is why I say I'm not. I can't claim to be a parapsychologist because I have no degree in it. Or- yeah,
3: but still, I mean, you can d- you can still study and admire all of those things and learn a lot about it. So it's it's still good to do that, even if you don't bring it into the degree of getting you know a degree in psychology and all of that. You can still study a great deal. And reading, I I highly stress that people need to pick up books. And, uh, you know, get the information of research that has been done all along. Yeah, totally. And this is, you know, way back. I mean, of course, from 1800s and and all of that, it's been, it's all been being done, you know, uh, scientifically. Yeah, very true. But certainly as we got into around the 60s, it really took a major turn.
2: No, no I agree and the thing is is that uh, what I was thinking of right now is let's bring this discussion real quick to the modern time let's bring it to this year this Halloween I want to say I actually have something going on this year I, I'm going to be at the Victoria's Black Swan Inn and I'm going to get to oh. meet I'm going to get to meet Andrea i he Marone. killed me he
3: stabbed me
2: I'm sorry I know I know okay for everybody that's listening that doesn't know what we're talking about Robin and Rob invited me up to their convention that they're having, and I want you to talk about the convention at length here, Robin, which is why I brought it in because we only have about 16 minutes left in the show, and I want to bring—I want you to talk about this. But um, I, unfortunately, I had made prior commitment to uh, Andrea Perrone, who was a guest on the show several times now, or twice now. And um, for those that are listening, Andrea Perone—if you missed that episode, she was the eldest daughter out of the Perrone family uh, that was the subject of a movie called *The Conjuring*. Uh, and also the author of a trilogy of books, House of Light, House of Dark. Uh, so it's a great series of books that you should check out. Uh, and she's a really wonderful speaker. You need to hear those episodes. Uh, and um, either way, she's coming to the uh, she's coming to San Antonio. She'll be at the Victoria's Black Swan. Inn, and it's a masquerade ball, Robin. I can't pass up a masquerade oh, ball. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I have a plague bearer mask and everything. And Kim, of course, is going to yeah. be with me. She's uh she, she we're gonna be all dressed up and it's gonna be fantastic. So I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, twenty ninth technically, not on Halloween since it's a Monday. But what, yeah. about,
3: what about you, uh, Robin? What are y'all gonna be doing? Well, we're going to West Virginia to the Ramsdale House. So I'm so thrilled to return there again. I've been there several times, and we've actually clipped a film there, which I hope to have that out. Uh, to have that published at some point. But, um, you know, Rob and his team, the original West Virginia Paranormal are going to be there. Uh, I'm actually bringing several people from my home team, which is Beyond the Veil, which is out of, you know, Rhode Island originally. And now we've expanded into other states. So we're all getting together and we're coming down. And, um, you know, we're going to have a seance I'm going to hold a couple of seances. I'm going to show people how to use tarot cards at an investigation as another. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Something different. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. That is wild. And just in case you all are wondering, the listeners that are wondering right now, Rob is having a few technical difficulties. And because Robin is actually being hosted on Rob's computer, he believes it may be with Skype, so Rob, I just want to say, try in Skype changing your input under the, the option and menus. You may have to reinitialize your car, your input under uh, Skype itself, but either way, I digress. Now, but, so you're going to be doing tarot cards, uh, showing people how to use tarot cards in investigations. Yeah. Is there going to be any uh, special guest speakers at the uh, at this event that you're having at the Ramsdale? Well,
3: I, I hope to be talking about mediumship and I'm certainly going to work with the anybody during the uh, overnight investigations that will be uh, three nights in a row, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. So that's really exciting. And we're trying to make it affordable for everybody. But there will also be lectures done that's free to the public. So anybody can come in. If you don't want to stay for investigation or buy a ticket, that's fine. You can come and hear us and meet us. And uh, Rob puts on a phenomenal lecture. He's Thoroughly fascinating and so detailed in how he teaches you about how to use equipment and why we're there, our purpose of being there, and how to treat spirit and all of that. He, he just totally fascinates me when he speaks.
2: Yeah, Rob, uh, in, in, it's getting this kind of, of, uh, of in-person interaction. I think Mm it's vital because it's one thing hearing it over the air. It's one thing hearing people speak on a podcast or even a live show for those that are listening on livingparanormal.com. It's quite another when you get to be there in person, because you get that immediate feedback. You get that. I want
3: (laughs) to ask a question and you get to do it face to face. I say this not because he's my friend. This is as a professional colleague, I would refer him to anybody and his team. These people have (laughs) just to, hunted ghosts. Talk about ghost hunting. Okay. I told them that I sensed something was underneath this Ramsdell house. And they actually opened it up and climbed through a little space that I just, I can't believe a human being could have fit through it. I mean, it was all of uh, two feet wide. Oh, wow. And they went down into a dirt pile. I mean, I can't even say it was a cellar. It was like a crawl space underneath the Ramsdell house. Wow. And Found something that I had picked up on that spirit told me that there was a blue bowl or a plate that was under there. But this is to the length that they go to just to do research.
2: Nice. Now when you have a dedicated group of people like that, that shows dedication.
3: Totally. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah,
2: dedicated group of people like that. That's that's fantastic.
3: And Rob trained all of them, you know, and, and I'm glad that. He's kept this wonderful team, you know, and and they've come and gone. And I'm I'm just glad that we have everybody back together again. I get the chance to come down and work with them because it's just it's so thrilling. And if you want to experience what it's like to be on a team or to really do a thorough investigation, I really urge you to come. Even if you're in another state, drive over. We have affordable hotels in the area that you can stay at. And we're going to have my cupcakes, too. Really? Are you going to be selling so, them? Yeah. <laughs> You're selling your cupcakes? So that's, yes, the triple chocolate chocolate chip oh. with cherries inside. You're
2: killing me, Robin. You're killing me. <laughs> can I buy them and you'll mail them to me? Is there a way that we can do that? I'm not sure we can mail in food. Or there has to be something.
3: Actually, way. I do. I ship my food everywhere and I have for years. Yep. Yeah? this i need to do this oh. immediately well after the show oh, cheesecakes too just after, saying after the show <laughs> we're gonna
2: get details robin we're gonna connect and i'm gonna gain so much weight through the mail it's ridiculous <laughs> it's better than bacon of the month club i'm selling you i'm telling you but um <laughs> so uh, as far as the the uh holiday season what do you usually find yourself doing around this time of year aside from that are you doing any conventions or any other larger any other large items like that
3: i stay kind of low key this year um i i've returned to uh take some courses in college and um working towards something else some projects and uh i'm flipping houses i had a surgery this year and i feel phenomenal by the way a lot of people still write to me but i'm I'm doing absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you know, that kind of brought this year to a close with, you know, there's just a lot that's been out there and and a lot of distractions and everything. So we're just going to move forward to the spring. I actually have a location I'll be doing some things at in Gettysburg. So hopefully everybody can get up to there. I have a wonderful winery that just... um, promised me uh, that we could do a wonderful investigation out there. So we have the entire vineyard to go investigate through. And And by
1: the way, guess who made it back finally? Sorry about that, guys. (laughs) Oh, there you are.
3: No problem. Well, I actually had to
1: call in on my phone. So yeah, I I sound a little bit different. um, Then I apologize for the poor quality of my phone.
3: No problem. No problem at all, man. I'm glad you made it back. Uh, So yeah, so this is through Pennsylvania and Maryland and Um, you know, I'll be back up to New England, of course, and everything. And, uh, you know, we are planning some TV coming up too, some more TV episodes. Very nice. That's outstanding. Can't say too much about it right now, but it should be coming in the spring. That's outstanding,
2: man. We're looking forward to definitely keep us up to date on that. And we'll see if we can post uh, more updates on the, send me some, some advertising little squares and I'll put them on the living paranormal site. And at least I sure you will. I will seriously. If you you give them to me pre-made, I'll do it. I'll put it up for you, Uh, Rob. You actually missed out on us talking a little bit about what's going to be happening on the weekend of this week.
1: Believe it, believe it or not, I was listening. And Robin gives me way too much credit as a public speaker, first and foremost. I know. But I I do have to say I have been. Thanks, Jason. I, I do have to say that I've been very not only fortunate but blessed to be able to work with Robin on multiple occasions. We've done a couple of different conferences together. And uh, for us, it's just an honor to have somebody of Robin's not only character but integrity to work with, doing these types of events and doing these types of promotions. Um, it's uh, it's humbling that I have somebody like her that is willing to work with just some little redneck from West Virginia. You know, it's it's uh, it's an amazing thing to me, but. Uh, you know, she is right. We do work hard, like most people in the paranormal field, that do, and we do it for. In some cases, not even a thank you. And uh, <laughs> it's always nice to have somebody recognize what you know what effort we do put into it.
2: Definitely. Now, Robin told us about the role that she'll be playing in the conference or the uh, upcoming events And what are you calling this you, at the Ramsdale? What is this event at the we're Ramsdale just, called?
1: We're just calling it a weekend at the Ramsdale, and we're going to be um, talking uh, at least during my presentations. Not only about the hauntings that go on there, because that is important, but also the history of this place, which it's very important to understand the history of any location, and any investigator will tell you this. You have to know the the past to appreciate the future, and that's something that we're trying to tie in. I know that uh, one of the local news crews will be there talking to me about um, some local haunted locations, including the Ramsdale House and a couple of others. But it's going to be a focus on not just the paranormal, but history as well as uh, tie-ins to city names. It's, it's really an interesting scope that we get the, the ability to go through when we're there.
2: That's outstanding. So you can cover that bevy of topics at the site. and how much is it going to be for the at the convention?
1: Or an uh, well um, the uh, event. Attendance, of course, is free as always. Uh, the lectures themselves will be free also. I, I do this just as, for lack of a better term, a public service. But uh, the overnight investigations will be 25 per person. We do have a limit of 13, which is that wonderful lucky number. Um, <laughs> but any more than that, honestly, it, we're tripping over each other, and people don't get that wonderful this is what it feels like to be an investigator because as you know jason and you know robin usually it's just two or three of us at a time going through so you'll have one investigator with a group of uh, three to four people and you actually get the opportunity to learn what it feels like to do this job so it's a it's a very unique look and honestly most of the places that you can go overnight are outrageously expensive you know 100 150 a night for just a few hours we do an entire overnight yeah we do an entire overnight We have left there when the sun's been coming up before, when things are really active. So for a $25 investment in your fund, a $25 donation to us, yeah, you get to have a very unique experience.
2: That's outstanding. What ages are you going to be taking on these investigations? I imagine there may be age restrictions.
1: Yeah, 15 and over for the overnights is where we normally run. Between the ages of 15 and 18, we do have to have parental consent, of course. Um, but um, we do try to keep it because uh, anytime that you're in a haunted location, things can happen. And we don't want to expose children too young. Now, we do welcome youth to come and listen to the presentations because we do show some evidence that we've captured over the years. So it'll give them a opportunity to learn a little bit about what this field is about. But in addition to that, they can learn a little bit about the history of the area and things that have really impacted in some cases, the entire destiny of not only the state, but the nation.
2: Nice. Very nice. Now, I know there's only f- about four minutes left. So I just want to real quick ask you a question. Now you said you mentioned the uh, evidence that you've captured uh, while at the Ramsdale. Uh, do you is it going to be just Ramsdale evidence or is it going to be evidence that you've captured as a team? Is the history of the team and other locations as well?
1: It's mostly actually other locations, and the reason that we do this is, as Robin mentioned, we are going to be working on a film project, so I'm going to save some of the juicy stuff that we've caught there. <laughs> yes. But um, it does we, – we have some evidence that we've caught in, for example, uh, Moundsville State Penitentiary, mm. which is a very famous location, uh, as well as a couple of private residences that we have permission to use so that we can help raise awareness.
2: Nice, and that's a good thing that you're able to use evidence from multiple locations because that that broadens the 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 sheer number that you can bring to this presentation, and that's awesome. You haven't limited yourselves to just the Ramsdale, so that's a good call. Yeah, good call on that. Definitely. Good
1: deal.
3: Well, Robin, thank you so much. Really, thank really, you. You've been fantastic. Thank and you. Know, I wish everyone a very very happy harvest and happy and safe Halloween. Absolutely.
2: Definitely. And, and thank you for sharing the uh, history of Halloween as well as those wonderful little tidbits of superstition that we all learned a little bit about. Again, tidbits, uh, that's the, the uh, word for the night is yeah, tidbits. Exactly, tidbits. <laughs> I've been saying it ever since Eric pointed it out. Uh, but uh, definitely re- appreciate all everything that you brought to the table tonight. Thank, Thank you
1: very you. much. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so Rob. And as, uh, as always, another eventful show. I mean, we've had technical difficulties. We've had knowledge. We've had laughs at <laughs> each other's expense. What more can you ask for Absolutely. coming up to this time of year? I mean, it's been a wonderful evening. And just a quick tidbit for you um, I actually did see the new Ghostbusters film and I do want to chime in on it really quick okay? okay had they toned down the special effects just slightly it actually was not a bad movie Cool. I would be one of the few to step out there and say it was not a bad film it was actually pretty well done I think they made it a little, ter- little too cartoony if oh. that makes sense yeah but all in all, the storyline was actually pretty de- the, the storyline was actually pretty decent. Believe it or not.
2: Yeah. No, my 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 original uh, aversion to it, it was the the neon green ghosts or blue ghosts, yeah. purple. That's a little much. But yeah, that's re- really the reason I haven't seen it. I love the actresses in that movie and the actor in I,
1: that movie. It, it had a Batman Forever feel to it. If you remember how yeah. neon-y that movie was. Yeah. But out. Uh, but the storyline itself was actually significantly better than than uh, the previously mentioned Batman film. So, yeah, all in all, it's definitely worth saying not something I pay movie theater price admission for. But, yeah, I would recommend checking it out. I'll probably check it out a
3: little bit later. Um, I I just want to interject one thing, and I know I already said goodbye, but please excuse me. I almost forgot. Go ahead. We we did have a little bit of a contest here, and I I was going to give away a free reading, Mm -hmm. of course. Nice. So, uh, yes, and the winner is Eric Blakely that happens to be in the chat room. Oh, awesome. Outstanding. Hey,
1: congratulations, Eric. Yeah,
3: he got a free reading, so we'll make sure we get in touch with him through email or Facebook Messenger.
2: Yeah, we have multiple ways to get a hold of Eric. It's getting rid of Eric that's the problem. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations, Eric. You get a free reading with the very famous, very talented, and very amazing Robin Marie. So that's wonderful. Congratulations, my friend. That brings us to the end of another uh, spooktacular show there, Jason.
2: Definitely one I want to remember for quite some time. Learned a lot today. Learned a lot of great, interesting tidbits, to use the word of the day, one final time. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, I've always of course Adore Reverend Robin So I love it that she was able To come on again So great show Great show Looking forward to the next
1: All righty. well listen um, Guys Once again an honor to be here Glad to have you with us So For The Reverend Robin Marie For Jason Olivo My name is Rob Henry You guys have a wonderful night And a very happy And safe Halloween Good night
2: Adios